I'm so excited about what God is going to do in this space all day long today. And I feel just a sense of release into all that God wants to reveal and show us. And I feel an elevated sense of joy today as I preach because I am not preaching on a controversial topic. And I'm so excited about that. If you missed the last month together as a church, we did a series coming into 2020 about how Jesus is full of grace and truth. And we basically just went headfirst into a lot of things that divide Christians and a lot of things that have divided um, us in our day. And I've been grateful for what God is doing over the course of the last month. I'm more grateful uh, to get to hear from churches and people outside of ourselves that are telling me and telling our faith family, thank you for these resources that allow us to navigate these difficult areas really, really well. And so I'm grateful that we have a space that's safe to tackle some of those things. If you missed that series, all of it is on our podcast or on YouTube, but I am pumped up to preach the word of God to you today. How many of you brought your Bible? You got your Bible, hold it up all over this space. We got Valentine's Day coming up. We have to do this. All right, put your Bible down if you're currently taken. Everybody else, Valentine's Day is coming, and I want you to meet him here rather than at some of the other places you could meet someone in Auburn. All right, you ready? Proverbs chapter 28, Proverbs chapter 28. I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. Somebody asked me this week, they were saying, if you could name one goal, one, just one goal that you would want to happen in someone's life as they came to ACC for a couple of years, what would it be? And I said, number one would be that they fall in love with the Word of God, that they, that they understand that the Bible is not simply a book with lists of rules and restrictions and stories about a disconnected God who is not relevant today, that the Bible is the voice of our Heavenly Father. I have countless amounts of stories in my life personally where I have opened this book, this collection of 66 books, and I have felt as if my father in heaven was right in front of me speaking because he was. This is how we hear the voice of our shepherd. Have you ever had a moment reading the Bible where you're like, oh, wow, I do not feel like I'm reading a book right now. I feel like I'm meeting with someone. That's how a relationship with God happens, and my hope and my prayer is that you would fall in love with the Word of God and all of its parts and all of its stories and that it would start to speak to you and you would have a real relationship with Jesus. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were beginning what I like to call uh, the gauntlet of preaching, and we were about to tackle sexuality. It was January 12th, and I opened my Bible. I have like a long routine that I do on Sunday mornings to get ready for this moment, which is what makes 8 a.m. really, really difficult because... I'm up in the threes. Um, but, but I have this long routine because I'm like, I need to get my mind right. I need to get my heart right. I need to get prayed up. But I also need to get my body ready because I don't want to come in like tired. And, and so I've got, this, I've got this routine that I go through doing. And I, I just kind of pick up with whatever I was reading in the Word of God. And at the time, I was reading the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a great book to start reading at the beginning of a month, by the way, because it's got 31 chapters. And, and so one chapter a day just kind of covers you with wisdom. It's mostly written by Solomon, the wisest man who lived in the the Old Testament, the king, son of David. And it's this collection of all these wise sayings that just open your mind to a realm of thinking that you're not used to. It's amazing. And so at the time, I was doing one proverb a day, happened to be on Proverbs 28 that day, and I opened my Bible, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. It says this, the wicked flee though no one pursues, 
but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When I read that, I felt as real as someone sitting right in front of me having a meal. I felt the Holy Spirit of God say to me, stop right there. And I plan to read the whole chapter. You ever done that in your Bible? And you're like, God's like, no, I just want you to see this. I, you haven't got it yet. You think you've gotten it. You think that's a cool verse about a lion. But, but I actually want you to just chew on this. I want you to repeat this to yourself. I want you to put this in as many places as you can see it. And i got to be honest with all of you. I have been thinking about this one verse since that moment. I've, of course, been reading other parts of the Bible. But this has been the one thing where God's like, I'm not, I'm not releasing you from thinking about that verse yet. And I'm always like, okay, what's the next thing we're going to look into? And, and, and what's the next thing we're going to study? He's like, Proverbs 28.1. Think about it. Think about it. So if it's okay with you, I know you just turn there in your Bible. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's great. Wicked flee and no one pursues. The right stars pulls the line. What else are we going to talk about? That's all we're going to talk about today. We're going to meditate on this one sentence, and this sermon, if you need a title, I think the most epic title we've ever had in a sermon, it's called Bold as a Lion. Bold as a Lion. And shout out to our creative team for making the most fire artwork ever for a sermon. Uh, This is not a series. It's a one-shot deal. You can come back next week for marriage and dating. We're going to do a series called Love That Lasts. It's going to be a really exciting time. Yep, he's single. Um... (laughs) He's excited. He's like, we're really going to pair off. Bold. Bold as a lion. (laughs) Look at the person next to you say, be bold. Be bold. I believe Christian boldness is so underrated because acting with bold faith is the doorway to a simplified Christian life. Say that again. Acting with bold faith is the doorway to a simplified Christian life. Here's what I mean. So many times I think we overcomplicate our relationship with God and make it about us conforming our behavior to a set of principles and rules and restrictions that over time just seems to feel more and more complicated, more and more difficult, especially as we struggle to conform to it. And so we come into moments like these and we think about adjusting our behavior. We hear songs and we get inspiration and we attach our emotions to what we feel about God. And we try and we try and we try. But it's mostly about behavior modification and managing our daily actions to try to conform them to the teachings of the Bible. When you delete bold faith from the Christian life, you also delete the relational adventure that it's supposed to be to follow Jesus. And when you're following Jesus in an adventure where you're actually acting and moving with bold faith and God's using your life in a powerful way, suddenly the whole equation shifts from, okay, turn my life to look like all these things that don't come natural to me to follow this Savior and fall in love with him on the journey and be filled with joy even though it's hard and even though it's difficult. See, I found in my life that when I'm moving with bold faith, I don't think that much about not sinning. I think more about following the Savior. And I'm just like, I am so moved by you, and I just want to get closer to you, and I just want to follow after you. And so as I've read this verse again and again and again, the identity of what it would look like for you and I to make moves with bold faith, bold as a lion, has overwhelmed me with joy because I've been able to recount in my life all the different moments where boldness was actually the doorway to the relationship with God that I wanted, that I didn't even know that I wanted, but I desperately needed to be delivered into. Let's study the verse. Let's study it deeply. Look at 28.1 again. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. 
but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, this is classic Solomon, because what he's doing is contrasting two different behaviors with two different identities. He does this over and over and over again, all through Proverbs. He'll talk about a person and then talk about what their personhood led them to do and how that differs from the other person. So you might read this verse on the surface. You might read this like I did a couple weeks ago one time and think, oh, this is a verse about choosing faith over fear. But that's just the behavior that the verse is addressing. This verse is actually about wickedness versus righteousness. Because before every activity, there's an identity. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. This doesn't mean don't run from something that you shouldn't be afraid of, step into all of your fears and move forward with courage. No, it means that there's a foundation to why some people have bold faith and a foundation to why some people back down and some people run from things that shouldn't even scare them. And that foundation is called Wickedness. That word wickedness literally means internal guilt. It means an awareness of your own disobedience. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. Because when you have an identity that's rooted in being guilty, your behavior flows from that. I'll prove it to you. What do you do every time you're driving, every time you see a police officer? It's like ingrained in us. Even when we're not speeding, even when we're not doing anything wrong, what do you automatically do? I'll be driving with Courtney. We're on the way, we're on a date night, and all of a sudden, just I see a cop car. I'm going like five miles per hour below the speed limit. Boom, slam on the brakes. Why do I do that? We, we just react with this fear. It's because we internalize guilt. We're like, I'm doing something wrong, so I have to run. I have to, I, 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 I'm not even doing anything that, that would even matter. He's not even coming after me. He's not even paying attention to me, but yet it filled me with this emotion, with this overwhelmed sense of guilt, and it made me fearful. It's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve the first time sin entered the world. God came walking in the garden, but God did that all the time. Adam and Eve are hiding, and God's like, why, why are you hiding? Now, he knows why, but that, that level of their conscience being seared, what sin does to you over time is it makes you cower away in fear and run from the very thing that you should be stepping forward into. And what God hit me with a couple weeks ago, he's like, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. He's like, I want you to notice this. People who are afraid, most of the time, are afraid of something that actually can't do anything to them. And the way God filled me up in that moment a couple weeks ago is he's like, hey, it feels like everybody around you is running from talking about what you're about to talk about. They have nothing to be afraid of. Just talk about it, Miles. Just say it. Identity leads to activity. And the gospel message of Jesus, this is what's crazy and what has to get through from the very beginning of this message. Because we are going to talk about bold faith, but we got to put a foundation in place. The gospel message of Jesus is that Jesus becomes our sin, and we become his righteousness. So I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a trade-off that happens when you become a Christian. Jesus doesn't go, hey, give me your sin, I'll give you my righteousness. He became your sin on the cross. He didn't just get in a matchup with it. Like He became a sin offering. What Jesus was hanging on the cross, bleeding out and dying, was being fully engulfed by the wrath of God that was do you and do me for our sins. And that trade-off, as wrong and off as it may seem, is a just trade-off because it was initiated by God. And God drops our sin on Jesus. He becomes sin. But in the process of, by faith, us coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, watch what happens. We become the righteousness of God in him. You, when God sees you, he sees Jesus' perfection. 
for the rest of your life when you are in Christ. There's never been one moment for you after choosing to follow Jesus, there's never been one moment where God has looked at you and thought anything other than innocent, blameless, pure, perfect, holy, mine. That's amazing. And that's why the righteous are as bold as a lion, because they're aware of where they stand. If you're in Proverbs 28, go over to Hebrews 10. I want to show you something else. Hebrews 10. Another verse from 2 Corinthians um, that I want to mention. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, because we have this hope, we are very bold. The hope that we are given in Jesus leads us into a new boldness. And I want to show you what this boldness looks like. Hebrews is at the end of your Bible. And if you don't make it there, it's okay. We'll, We'll have it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I love this. The writer of Hebrews says that because Jesus is your high priest, think tabernacle. In the Old Testament, there used to have to be a high priest who would come once a year and offer a sacrifice for sins, and nobody else could go into the most holy place except for him, But now we go into that holy place with what? Confidence. Man, if you're a Jewish Christian in the first century, you're reading that going, are you kidding me? You're going to go into the most holy place with confidence? No, you go into the most holy place like trembling because you could die in an instant. And only one person can go in there. He better bring the right sacrifice for sins. And what what the writer's telling us, no, 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 you're welcome in the presence of God with an overwhelming sense of boldness. Why? Because you've got the full assurance of what faith brings. What does that full assurance mean? It means that the blood of Jesus has sprinkled you. That word sprinkled literally means drenched. Don't think a couple of drops. Think waterfall. The blood of Jesus has washed away your guilty conscience. And now you have an internal shift from I come into the presence of God and I cower away because I'm aware of my own guilt to I come into the presence of God and I know this is where I belong because my conscience has been made clear. Boldness, here's what I'm saying. Boldness is not a character trait we need to work on. Boldness is a byproduct of identity. So I'm not going to get up in front of you today and go, hey, we need to take steps with bold faith. We need to believe God for more. We need to pray bigger prayers. Come on, guys, you can do it. Make a bold decision. Move across the world and become a missionary. No, no, it's not something that you you devote some behavior toward and then develop. It's something that happens on the inside when you know who you are. We just saying over and over and over again, I am a child of God. Oh, my gosh, if half of this room would actually believe that, the amount of boldness that you would be overwhelmed with would blow your mind. I'm a child of God. That's my dad. You start to know who you are. You start to pray boldly. You start to believe boldly. You start to walk with a new faith and confidence. It doesn't look like cockiness. It looks like Godfidence. It looks like I'm aware of who my God is. I know who I am, and I'm walking with the sense that I've been filled with his presence. And that's why I love the phrase, bold as a lion. I've been thinking about that phrase for weeks, bold as a lion. What does that mean? Lions are bold, I'll tell you that. When you look at it statistically and you look and do some research, you're like, man, they take on battles that they should not take on. They'll go after animals that they cannot defeat on their own. They'll go after multiple at the same time. They really do have an internal level of boldness and courage that's kind of uncanny. At the same time, 
if you are able to talk to a lion, let's just go there, okay? We've got a couple that we know we can talk to, Mufasa, Simba, Aslan, and they're all super spiritual. You know, it's like, it's like, wow, amazing. Let's just, let's just pretend you could talk to a lion. If you were able to communicate with them and you told them, hey, where do you get your boldness from? Why are you so courageous? What makes you just go about your life with that kind of faith? I have a feeling that they would go, oh, um, I didn't, didn't know I was bold. I'm a lion. Like, I don't, I don't try to do bold things. I just know who I am. And if I, I do lion things, like, I, like I, if, I, if I do believe I am that, then I, it's just kind of what I do. It's not something that I try to cultivate. Some of you who've never taken a, a step with bold faith in your entire life need to understand that it's, this is not a trait that some Christians have and others don't. This is a level of internal awareness that you get over time when you start to understand, oh, I know who I am, and I know what power has filled me on the inside. Boldness should actually be the norm of somebody who knows that they've been made right with God, not the exception, because boldness is the only right response for somebody who's been told you were lost in sin and death and gone into hell forever. Now you've been brought into the kingdom of light and been made into the likeness of his righteousness. When you know that, you're like, okay, I'm very bold because I'm filled with this hope. Can you tell how happy I am to be preaching this message? I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But the harsh reality is this. Even though boldness should be the norm, it's not. Even in this room, when somebody makes an act of bold faith, we commend it, we celebrate it, because it's unlikely. And if you just think about it, okay, we've been made right with God. We've been given access to our heavenly Father in the blood of Jesus. Why is bold faith still so rare? I think the answer would be access doesn't guarantee activity. So just because you have access to God as a heavenly father doesn't mean that you activate that and exercise that. You can have access to a gym. That does not guarantee activity at all. Hello, New Year's resolution. Hello, New Decade resolutions for everybody. I was doing so good, y'all. I was going to eat like a salmon salad last night. We were at dinner with friends. And then the waitress comes over and she's like, we got this special. Two petite fillets on a bed of penne pasta with seafood all around it. I was like, I'll have that. So it was so good. So good. You can have access without having activity. Here's the, the harsh reality. And this is going to hurt. I'm going to let it hurt for a second. And then I'm going to bring you back up for air. Most of you who are Christians have not exercised real bold faith since you prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That was the last time. Bold faith. I believe you're the Son of God. I want to follow you with my life. Now you've been brought into this supernatural access to God as a relational Heavenly Father. And from that moment until this moment right now, many of you in this room have spent all of that time trying to maneuver and manipulate a version of your life that looks like chasing comfort and looks like chasing just making it by through life without putting myself in any sort of an uncomfortable position where I don't have control in my hands. You have been made right with God to be given access to your heavenly father with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you for a reason. That reason is not to make you feel good during worship songs. 
that reason is to embolden you from within to do things that are not ordinary, to do things that the rest of the world would look at and go, that's impossible, to make decisions and pray prayers and over time build this life that looks like an adventure of following Jesus, not this average collection of decisions that everybody else makes. And so I'm not saying all of that to shame you today. I know we've got a large number of people who you're going, that might be me. I don't make a lot of decisions rooted in bold faith. I did not want to get up here and go, you've got this access to God. What is wrong with you? No, I, I believe that there's a more compelling way to motivate people other than fear, and it's rooted in love. I, I believe that what you need to see today is what you're missing out on. Bold faith is awesome. I've seen a few decisions made by bold faith lead to a brand new trajectory for my life, for my family. I've seen decisions made in generations before me open doors that I could never have imagined for myself or for the people around me. So why do we, why, why do we run from it so often and why are so many of us not seeing it? I think we don't understand how much better you will believe Jesus is if you actually make room for him to come through. The simple message that we're trying to preach every week at this church is Jesus wins. I think the most powerful revelation somebody can discover is that Jesus overwhelms and wins over every other option for their life. It's powerful to watch somebody make that um, realization. Every time we do a baptism service, we watch person after person go, okay, I chased what the world has to offer. It didn't fill me. It led me to all this brokenness. They got a certain level of consequences that came from that decision. And then they realize, oh my gosh, Jesus is not just the head of this religion that I heard about growing up. He's actually better than every other option for my life. I'm going to give my life to him. And that's an awesome story. That's a story that we're going to hear again and again and again. And praise God for it. But something, everybody look up here, something that I'm always asking myself as a pastor is, how do you get people to discover that before they're dealing with the consequences of years of decisions that they can't get back? How do you get somebody to see it sooner? And here's, here's, here's what God has revealed to me. You'll see it sooner when you give Jesus an opportunity to show you sooner. Part of the reason why so many young people fall out of love with Jesus is because they were never following a Jesus who was very compelling. He didn't need to do anything for you to go about your day and your school and your relationships and your life with all your needs met all around you just literally meant that all you had to do was fit in into the sea of mediocrity that was all around you and it was going to feel fine and everybody was doing it anyway and so you wonder why people grow up and then they decide I'm going to try every other option because you haven't even really tried Jesus before. The adventure of following Jesus happens when you put yourself in situations and in positions where if he doesn't come through, you're not going to make it. And bold faith is so rewarding on the back end because it leads to this version of following Jesus where you're not even waking up in the morning going, okay, what is it going to be today, sin or the son of God? I got to make a decision and my natural sinful nature takes me this way, but my new nature, I got to put on the new man and all of those thoughts are great. And I think there's verses that go behind all of that. But I think the simplicity of how the disciples follow Jesus is the simplicity of how we're supposed to follow Jesus. If it's this much fun, and there's this many miracles, and there's this many lives being changed along the way, I just get so captivated by knowing him on the journey that I'm actually having more fun doing this than I would doing that or going over there. And this is the version of following Jesus that we have to let people see. And this is the version that I believe so many people have missed out on for so long. And you know what? Your heart is always going to be ruled by what you're in awe of. You're always going to be in awe of everything else around you if there's nothing that was awestruck about following Jesus. 
And so I want to invite you today. Everybody look up here and don't miss this. If you're within the sound of my voice, there is another level of the presence of God that I believe God wants to unleash on your life. And you do not have to be going into ministry or going across the world to do missions. You just have to be a Christian. And if you've been given the righteousness of God on the inside of you, God wants to rescue you from living a life that is not marked by anything special or significant. Now, what we call special or significant differs than what the kingdom of God calls special and significant. All I'm simply saying is, wherever your lane is and whatever your circle is, if you do choose the adventure of following Jesus, he will call you down roads that are so uncomfortable, that are so impossible, that you will feel sometimes like you cannot take another step. But it is on that exact pathway that you're going to look up after too long and go, oh my gosh, this is why I'm alive. This is so amazing. And every time that happens to me, I'm reminded again and again that we've, we've got to flip the way we think about a lot of our opportunities to act on bold faith. You might be here today and be like, okay, I'm ready. I, bold faith. What do you mean? Bold as a lion. I'm ready. I believe I'm a son of God. So what do I do? You want me to go to lunch today, have a conversation with my waiter? I'll invite him to church next week. 9-11-7. That's easy. The services are consistent. Like, I mean, I mean, dating series. We'll get, I'll invite somebody. I'll, yeah, Okay. It might be going out and directly doing something that makes you uncomfortable that you don't normally do. But I actually believe if you're following Jesus, he'll bring these opportunities to your front door. And they won't look like opportunities for bold faith. They will actually look like moments where you want to give up and things that you would rather trade away. And I would basically bracket them three different ways. When God gives you these things, I just want to flip the way you think about these. Number one is uncertainty. As you're following Jesus, Jesus will bring you intentionally to seasons and circumstances where you want to know the future and you can't. All you will want him to tell you is what he sees down the road, but he's the shepherd, you're the sheep. And so even though he knows where he's going, you don't know where he's going, you just hear his voice. And uncertainty, I've watched uncertainty overwhelm so many people that leads to debilitating and paralyzing anxiety, where instead of spending their lives rooted in faith and trusting Jesus and watching him come through, they spend their lives in fear trying to control and manipulate situations, and it's all a response to the uncertainty that was actually supposed to guide them into greater communion with Jesus. Second one is difficulty. Difficulty is when God brings you to something in your life that you would rather not, and I mean little things and big things. I mean car trouble, and I mean car accidents. I mean cancer. I mean betrayal. I mean difficulty is when you're brought to something and you're like, my life would be so much better if that didn't happen. And I'm not saying God's the one who's divinely orchestrating everything complicated about your life just to bother you, but I am saying we affirm a view of God that makes him sovereign, which means there is nothing that has ever come into your life or ever will come into your life that ever happens outside of his hand and will and control. So when people go, well, God just, he just allowed, or he just kind of watched the world spinning and going into chaos and going, I wish I could get involved, but you guys got to figure this one out. No, there's a level to which free will brings glory to God. At the same time, nothing has ever happened on this planet that hasn't existed outside of the perfect sovereignty of a father who loves his kids. Okay, so when difficulty hits, there's a tendency to go, are you kidding me? You're good. You love me. Why? 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 And the final one, and this is the hardest one to, to demonstrate bold faith, the final one is impossibility. 
This is when something happens in your life that literally you will not survive. You will not make it through if God doesn't come through. That might be financially. That might be physically. That might be relationally. These situations are rare, but these are the ones where God goes crazy and shows off. These are the ones where literally you're like, if you're not real, this isn't going to work. And I would say of the three, God enjoys the third one the most. Now, here's how I usually preach this message. I've been hearing messages about navigating difficulty, navigating uncertainty and storms of life my entire life. Here's how this message is usually preached and how I usually preach it. I say things like, you know, when you're brought to these situations, these are, these are actually moments where God's going to give you a chance to learn who he really is. So just watch him show off. What I've seen from Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I would say these are not simply the things where God wants to show you something new about himself. I would say these are also the things where God wants to teach you who you are. You are bold as a lion because you're righteous in the sight of God. You might not know it yet. But when you and I gain a a new lens of faith, uncertainty and difficulty and impossibility, watch this, actually becomes opportunity. And when you get an opportunity to learn who you really are in the sight of God, that is when this adventure of following Jesus becomes crazy compelling seen it in my own life. Now, some of you are getting really uncomfortable. You grew up in environments where you were beaten in the head with the Bible and told how sinful you are, how wrong you are, how much you need a savior the entire time. That's a good message if that's 50% of the message. We're a sinner, now a saint. And so you got to learn to step into this new identity. And I'm telling you, as you're following Jesus, Jesus is not going to reinforce the idea that you're just going to stay so weak and he's going to stay so strong. He's going to go, hey, when you unite yourself to me, you get my strength, you get my righteousness, you get my perfection. So you're actually bold as a lion. You actually have more capability on the inside of you than you're giving yourself credit for because you have the Holy Spirit of God. You're stronger than you think. You have more capability than you think. It's just him on the inside of you. But he can't be unleashed from within if he never gets a chance never gets an opportunity i want an opportunity there's your opportunity uncertainty difficulty impossibility and immediately you're like ah i don't want those that's not that's not where i want to learn that you got to reframe you got to reframe your mind seeing it as an opportunity and you know what following jesus for 19 years the way i have I can always tell you that in hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I can always look back and go, okay, that uncertainty, wow, he was showing off. That difficulty, didn't want it at the time, but man, he's good at maneuvering and working this story for his glory. And that impossibility, unbelievable, he came through. And even the things that you can't look back with hindsight yet and see, you will see in eternity. No matter what, hindsight, looking back, you're always going to be able to see the hand of God. Being bold as a lion involves seeing those things with foresight, flipping it. Not that you see the details of how everything was working out, but that you see his hand and you go, okay, 
I see what's happening here. I have an opportunity to step into all that I've been created for. I'm not going to be fooled by the difficulty. I'm not going to be fooled by all that seems to be crashing down and going wrong around me. I'm actually going to see this interruption as an invitation from the God of the universe to show off through my life. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Here's my message in one sentence. You ready? Because of my identity in Christ, my Blank is an opportunity for bold faith, and I want you to fill in the blank, everybody. Because of my identity in Christ, my uncertainty, my difficulty, my impossibility is an opportunity for bold faith. And then I want you to get more specific. Some of you are not in this season right now, but you're going to be in it really, really soon. You could fill in that blank with my future is an opportunity for bold faith. Because of my identity in Christ, my cancer is an opportunity for bold faith. My past is an opportunity for bold faith. My relationships, another opportunity. My anxiety, my breakup is an opportunity for bold faith. My family is an opportunity for bold faith. And what I want you to start to do is see the fact that Jesus calls you son or daughter, and you guys receive that message so powerfully, and that's awesome when I'm preaching it, and it's awesome when we're singing No Longer Slaves. But when you face one of those seasons and you're following Jesus through that and you make it to the other side and he looks at you and he says something like, do you believe me now? There's a new level of confidence that you're going to have in your relationship with God that doesn't look like simply adhering to Christian doctrine. It looks like being a Christian. Let's take out the word Christian. It looks like being a disciple. What did they do? They followed Jesus around. They kind of messed everything up on the journey and ended up with the greatest story forever told. All you really have to do is be bold enough to say yes when he says, come follow me. And that takes boldness because when he says that, he's going to walk in a direction that you're going to go, no, that's not where we want to go. That is not what I want my life to look like. No, no, no. And what you have to do, you have to flip it. And in that moment, you have to go, okay, I know in hindsight I'm going to understand his heart, and I'm going to see that it's good, and I'm going to see that it's good. What about if in foresight I can see Jesus going, let me give you an opportunity to show you who you really are. One sentence. Here's the whole message. Three words. Take your opportunity. Take your opportunity. That's what I want to invite you to do. Which one, Miles? The next one. Some of you have lived a lifetime with opportunities to demonstrate bold faith, and you've been running like a coward the entire time. You can't do anything about the opportunities that you missed, but you can do everything about the opportunities to come. And if you're still breathing today, you've got some on the way. So take your opportunity. Which one? The next time you, Jesus invites you to make a crazy decision by faith, the next time Jesus comes knocking and going, hey, I want you to give that, the next time Jesus brings a circumstance or a phone call that you go, I didn't expect that and I didn't want that, you have to see that as his opportunity to go, come on, come on into the more. Come on into the moments where you're going to understand who I really am. And this message has gotten my attention more in the past week than any other week. Last Sunday, between all the craziness of all of our services and different things that we were doing in the life of our church, just got my phone blown up with text messages about Kobe Bryant and all of those who, his daughter, all those who lost their lives in the tragic helicopter accident. And I'm a big basketball fan. Kobe has been somebody who, I mean, the thought of that happening to him and every single one of those families on board was just something that I'm still a week later very fresh into processing. 
very complicated. And I, and I like, I know that suffering happens every day. Suffering happens to people who don't have hundreds of millions of dollars. So I know, I know all the arguments for, well, he's just like anybody else. And it's just, okay. But the thing that I discovered that was bothering me the most and why I'm really struggling to process his death is because there's an entitlement in me that believes, oh, that can't happen. Kobe was, he was owed life. And that's a lie. And it's a lie that I don't believe about Kobe Bryant. It's a lie I believe about myself. I actually discovered this week that I think I'm entitled to my next breath, not that it's actually a gift and an invitation from God to experience him. But should he decide not to give it to me? He's perfectly just and right in doing that. And if this microphone falls to the ground and my spirit leaves my body right now, God is not unjust because he's God. You start talking like that and you feel the weight of what happened last week and you feel this planet that we're on, it makes you a little bit uneasy. It makes you really uncomfortable of knowing how much this story and how much this stuff is outside of our hands. And we should be mourning and, and we should be in a place where we're praying for the families and where we're coming to understand our own mortality. But I don't think the response should be, hey, don't waste a minute. Make sure you, you do everything that you wanted to do in this life. I think for a Christian, the resolve from a story like that is don't be suckered into living a safe, average life because you don't know when your last opportunity is going to be. Don't get tricked. Don't get tricked into going, well, I'm always going to have another chance. I'm always going to have another shot. Next opportunity you might get might be the last one. And I want to put that in front of you today and tell you that with discomfort and tell you that with a little bit of angst in my spirit to go, this is not a game. Up here preaching like I am, as passionately as I am singing the songs that we're singing, this is not a game, guys. We are spinning on a planet where every single breathing being on this planet will pass away. Our lives will end. And when you actually let that get through to you and you let yourself know that you're not immune to that story at all, it creates a boldness on the inside of you because you know who you are in the sight of God, but you also know you got this limited amount of time on this planet. Can we not spend these years chasing comforts that will pass away with our physical bodies can we step into the more and actually make it normal i want it to be normal at acc for people to do crazy stuff and i think jesus has fun on that journey and i think when you're following jesus on that journey death loses its sting in the process because you're like oh then i can finally see you face to face i don't have to just read this book i love this book but i want to see you because i know you i was sitting I was sitting in a bank recently, and it was so funny to just think back on the journey that we've had as a church. We shared some of the financial information about the last couple of years. I'm sitting in there, and we're talking about, you know, a loan for the building that we're about to build and all of that. And I didn't realize this, but outside the window of the bank was the apartment complex that Courtney and I moved to when we came here. And, and just the journey that moving here and, and starting the church with, with very little has led to, wow, it's five and a half years. Look what God has done. That's amazing. But I could just feel the presence of the Spirit of God in that room like, you know, if you weren't dreading everything that was uncertain and difficult about your life, you might have a little bit of fun following me. Like, wasn't this fun? I know it was hard, and I know it was bold, 
But really, I just led you here and showed off the entire time. And if you would stop living your life like this with control over your circumstances and just go, hey, if something uncertain or unexpected comes up, I'm going to view it as an opportunity to learn more about you. I just get his heart as a father where I'm like, I want to stop dreading the one adventure I have with breath in my lungs to live on this planet. I want to stop stepping with so much fear and so much, oh, well, if that happened, then my whole life would fall apart. And I want to go, I've got a God who loves me. I'm going to heaven forever. And I'm just going to follow Jesus until then and watch him use my life in a powerful, profound way. And don't we all just want to be on that journey together? So let's be a church where bold faith is normal. And here's the good news. God's already sowing that seed. 